You know, ladies and gentlemen, it gets harder and harder to make every one of these intros unique and special from one another. But you know what? With just a little bit of effort, you too can make your very own podcast with a new introduction every week. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's your friendly neighborhood, Kevin, here on a Tuesday giving you some podcast news, a little bit of advice, and maybe a laugh here or there. So with that being said, for our episode 25, I will get into what we are going to be doing today. So summarizing the news, our first article of news today is going to be related to Twitter and um, what Twitter has considered um, a threat among social media is deep fakes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and why I find it so interesting and it's back in the news and what Twitter is going to do about screening for deep fakes within its content creators and its creators in general. All right, our second news story is about Canadian Special Force troops who are in northern Iraq and how long they're going to be there and if that has anything to do with General Qassam Soleimani um, when the U.S attacked him in Baghdad. Um, he's an Iranian general, but of course it has affected the Canadian militia as well. And so we're going to look into that and the ramifications. I know you guys want to hear more of the corn, uh, coronavirus, but I kind of thought today was a little bit of a break. We could have a little bit of a break. And our third and last piece of news is about Tesla and how uh, the prices in its stocks and its shares, um, how they're being affected right now. Um, there's some interesting news floating around regarding that today. So with that being said, guys, I am your friendly neighborhood, Kevin. You are listening to A Mention with Kevin. Let's begin. So with our first piece of news, we are going to talk about Twitter. Twitter said today it would start applying a label to tweets containing synthetic or deceptively edited forms of media as social media platforms embrace for a potential onslaught of misinformation ahead of the 2020 presidential election. The company also said it would remove any deliberately misleading manipulated media likely to cause harm, including content that could result in threats to physical safety, widespread civil unrest, voter suppression, or privacy risks. Social media companies have been under pressure to tackle the emerging threat of deepfake videos, which use artificial intelligence to create hyper-realistic but fabricated videos in which a person appears to say or do something they didn't. So if you guys know me, I'm a big fan of Corridor Digital. Corridor Digital actually has a great video that I would highly recommend it's on their cordar crew uh um, channel their second channel regarding how deepfakes work essentially they map out a person's face using an algorithm um, an ai is able to learn what is um, supposed to be the face and then it could be replaced with other images of another face and you just keep feeding the algorithm more uh, images and it's able to uh, replace your face with another's so it's very interesting uh, social media companies have, uh, oh, I've already said that, sorry, Alphabet Inc. YouTube uh, said earlier this week uh, it would remove any content that has been technically manipulated or doctored 
and may pose a serious risk of egregious harm. While TikTok, owned by China's ByteDance, issued a broadband on misleading information last month. Facebook said last month it would remove deepfakes and some other manipulated videos from its websites, but would leave up satirical content as well as videos edited solely to omit or change the order of words. The company sparked outrage among U.S. lawmakers when it said it in the new policy would not be applied to a heavily edited video that circulated widely online and attempted to make U.S. House Representative Speaker Nancy Pelosi seem incoherent by slurring her speech. Facebook said it would label the video as false, but that it would continue to be allowed on the platform as only videos generated by artificial intelligence to depict people saying fictional things will be taken down. Twitter said its new policy will be similar, applying a false warning label to any photos or videos that have been significantly and deceptively altered or fabricated. Although it will not uh, dif- differentiate between the technologies used to manipulate a piece of media. Our focus under this policy is to look at the outcome, not how it was achieved. Twitter's head of site of integrity, Yoel Roth, Ruth, uh, said on the phone call with reporters, along with Dell Harvey, the company's vice president of trust and safety. Ruth said uh, Twitter would generally apply a warning label to the Pelosi video under the new approach, but added that the content would be removed if the text in the tweet or other contextual signals suggested it was likely to cause harm. The two executives declined to answer questions around the resources the company would put towards spotting manipulated media, saying Twitter would consider user reports and build relationships with third-party experts to identify content. It's very interesting with deep fakes. We've seen a lot of them uh, come out before one on President Obama around his uh, the end of his administration uh, with, I believe, Jordan Peele, who was using deep fake technology. So this technology is coming out. I could really see the benefit of deep fake technology being used for satirical purposes or um, great video ideas and stuff like that. I've seen deep fakes even be used uh, to produce... Um, a Boston Dynamics video, kind of satirical video uh, that Corridor has also Corridor Digital has also created. I'd recommend checking it out. But I I think this is a great kind of segue into looking at how um, the legitis- legitimacy of what media is posted um, and if it is truth or not. Because usually um, with social media there is no definitive evidence of something is true or not. And so hopefully this will come into play and help prevent any false accusations or uh, false facts coming out regarding the presidential election, because this could really impact democracy in that regards. Talking about democracy, let's move on to our second piece of news. Canada's special forces troops are back to full employment in northern Iraq. But for how long? All joint operations between the U.S.-led anti-Islamic state coalition and Iraqi security forces were suspended in early January following the targeted killing of Iranian General Qassam Soleimani and Iraqi commander Abu Mahdi al-Muhadis. The all-clear to resume uh, specialized military training and assistance was confirmed late last week by the Iraqi army at the country's parliament faced a deadline to select a new prime minister. 
Major General Pete Daw, who was in charge of Canada Special Forces Command, told uh, reporters today, uh, well, yesterday, sorry, on Monday, that his troops are back on the job helping the Iraqis down the remnants of ISIS. But they're fully aware of the precarious political climate. The entire premise of our mission to defeat Daesh was not changed, and Canadians should be aware of that, said Da, using an alternative name for ISIS. It's still a sensitive space right now, and in terms of interaction with the Iraqi government, following the drone strike that killed Soleimani and al-Muhadis, Iraq's parliament passed a non-binding motion to eject foreign troops, a proposition that remains unresolved because of the absence of a stable government. Daw suggested the coalition and the Canadian troops are treading carefully, adding they are not blind to the complex situation in Iraq, as a country grapples with political uncertainty and ongoing street protests. It is very important to the coalition to respect the Iraqi government's wishes, he said, and to this return the resumption of operations is happening very deliberately to ensure it is perfectly aligned with what the government of Iraq envisions. Earlier this month, uh, Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan said that if the Iraqi parliament formally asked foreign troops to leave the country, Canada would withdraw forces. The prospect of the country's pol- politicians dealing with that question remained remote on Monday after Iraq's president stepped in and asked Mohammed Taifif Alwi to attempt to form a government and serve as prime minister. That decision prompted immediate protests from ordinary Iraqis who say they are fed up with corruption and Iranian influence in Baghdad. Alawi, a former communications minister, is seen to have little political, popular, or military backing, according to an analyst released Monday by the Washington-based Institute for the Study of War. Canadian troops have been working with Iraqi counterterrorism units in Mosul, the country's second largest city, which was left largely in ruins after ISIS was, dr- has, was dr- driving out a major months-long battle. They have made important strides in helping the Iraqis develop their capability to track down extremists. The mission was focused on training Iraqi officers. The elite Canadian soldiers also help the Iraqis plan raids and sometimes follow them into the field to observe. Ultimately, our intention is to make our Iraqi security personnel as self-reliant as possible, said Da. We continue to revisit those parameters with the view to, to helping our partners become self-reliant and independent. In retaliation for the killing of Soleimani, Iran fired a volley of ballistic missiles at the airbase in Ur- Erbil, which the Canadians have used as a center of operations and a logistics hub. And while there were no Canadian casualties in that attack, some Canadian soldiers were relocated out of Iraq shortly before the attack as tensions between Washington and Tehran escalated. Daw suggested those soldiers who were withdrawn belonged to a separate but congruent NATO military training mission in Baghdad and were not part of his contingent. Canadian Special Force soldiers were not particularly close to the Iranian missile strikes when they happened, he said. It was not an imminent threat to our people, said Da. There was concern for the welfare of our people, but it was not overly or particularly proximate. 
so interesting to see the progress that is going on in Iran with Canadian forces continuing their training for Iraqi security forces, how I, um, Iran is kind of playing a little role there trying to influence Iraq into essentially kicking out all foreign troops, which includes the Canadians. Uh, so interesting how tensions are still fairly high, even though it, it hasn't been reported anything else has escalated aggressions between the U.S. and Iran or anything else in that regards. So I, I just wanted to give you guys an update of what was going on with some of the other foreign troops, such as Canada. And uh, I will keep my out, eye out on this one. All right, moving on to our third piece of news right now. Tesla shares are soaring for the second day in a row after the electric car makers sold more cars than analysts thought it would prompting investors to pour money into the stock at a record pace. So uh, I decided to pick up a, a business uh, story right now. Um, I know the core uh, coronavirus has kind of continued its, its wake right now, but I feel like it's it, most of the numbers remain the same, and there's just a lot of speculation and analysts of, of why is going on and how it, it will continue, either continue or it'll be um, halted in terms of the spread. So I thought, let's, let's bring in something different today. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about Tesla. Tesla shares closed at 887 US a piece today, a level that means the company has more than doubled in value since the start of 2020. Investor enthusiasm over the company's prospects began last week when, on Wednesday, the company said it expected to sell 500,000 vehicles this year, an increase about 50% from last year's level. The company closed out January with its stock's price just over $650 a share, but exuberance kicked in this week as the stock has since gone up 20% on Monday and another 13% today. The buying appears to have been prompted by part by news in last week's earnings report that the company has now turned a profit for two quarters in a row. Profitability is nice to see, but Barry Schwartz, Chief Investigator Officer at Baskin Wealth Management in Toronto, says there's nothing in Tesla's underlying numbers that can justify the current market price. I wish we owned the stock, but we don't participate in manias, he said in an interview. People are only buying the stock because... Well, it's going up in price. There's no way to justify its valuation. It reminds me of the dot-com boom, he said. At current prices, it's worth rough, Tesla is worth roughly $150 billion. There's more than US automaker, which that's more than the US automakers GM, Chrysler, and Ford are worth combined, even though that trio sells far more cars than Tesla does every year. Tesla may well be a great company with amazing products that people want to buy, but that doesn't mean the stock isn't wildly overvaluated before the current run, and even more so now. Hype and momentum have taken over, he said. You're buying it with your eyes closed and your brain turned off. The shares may have been gobbled up by investors who are big believers in the, in the company's prospects, but at least some of the buyers are people who not so long ago believed the company was overdue for a crash. So-called short sellers are investors who make money by betting against companies they think are poised to go down in value, and almost 18% of Tesla shares right now are in the hands of short sellers. More than, than any other U.S. company, according to research firm 
S3 partners. When their bets go wrong and targeted companies increase in value, short sellers have to rush to cover their bets, which can cause those shares to quickly go up in value in a process known as a short squeeze. The shorts are buying up billions of dollars in Tesla shares, at least in part because that's better than waiting longer and having to buy them for even more. Tesla shorts were down $2.89 billion in losses in 2019 and are going down $8.31 billion in losses so far in 2020, including $2.47 billion on today's price move, S3 Partners analyst Ihor Dysonwinski said in research note. Short sellers have targeted Tesla for years, and the company's controversial CEO, Elon Musk, is no fan of them either. He said in the past that the short selling would should be illegal and urged stock regulators, the SEC, to crack down on the practice. On Monday, with the short squeeze already underway, he tweeted three fire emojis of veiled reference to his glee at the critics getting burned. A short squeeze is definitely a factor in the company's meteor meteoric journey this week, but the effect that should be temporary. A prolonged move higher requires more than just temporary reasons, and it's not difficult to find analysts who are convinced the company's rise is just the start of a long journey higher. Last week's earnings show the company has now posted a small profit for two quarters in a row, which is causing some investors to think the hyped-up company is finally starting to live up to its promise. Investors are now starting to believe that Tesla can make mass-volume electric cars and automakers Battery makers and suppliers can make money from electric vehicles, Samsung Securities analyst Cho Huang Rul said in a note to his clients today. Billionaire investor Ron Barron, whose firm holds a nearly 1% stake in Tesla, says the company is on its way to $1 trillion in sales within the next decade. That would be about 50 times the roughly $20 billion in revenue it took in last year, a figure that can turn Tesla into one of the largest companies in the world, he told Financial News today. But Baskin Schwartz is still unconvinced. You can't come up with a valuation on Tesla right now that makes any sense, he said. It's pricing in every single thing that may go well in the future without pricing in anything that could go wrong. All right, so that's just what's going on with Tesla. It looks like there's, um, their shares are increasing right now. Um, it's very interesting to see how what is going on with this, um, just from a promise of selling more cars. And some other news that I kind of want to cover today as well regarding this, it's interesting that their pricing is still going up. As I just saw that GM has started to unveil their new electric lineup. And I know that they've been kind of hinting towards making an electric truck in the future, uh, making an electric sedan, and kind of reinventing their electric car selection right now. And they are starting with the Hummer. So I believe in um, May of this year, 2020, they will unveil the, the electric Hummer to the audience. And I, I'm kind of banking that it will be a lot better than that Tesla truck that they came out that that little geometry, um, which did not look very practical. But I think this Hummer it kind of hits that market of people who want like that big Hummer feel and look, but they're gonna get an electric battery behind it, so it's gonna be silent. 
I, I don't know. It's just going to make a statement, I really think. So they have a couple commercials running right now with LeBron James. And I think that that's a car to check out. So forget about Tesla, guys. Check GMC. Check GM and their new electric Hummer. Uh, before we get into our um, advice column, I just wanted to speculate on some stuff that's been going on in the and You know what? Within the ether and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys know, but... The Super Bowl just happened last Sunday, which was February, oh, February 2nd, 2020. Let me just remind you guys that this is episode 25, (laughs) February 4th, 2020. Anyway, um, I don't know if you guys have seen what was going on. There was a comeback from the Chiefs, but more importantly was the halftime show where we saw Latino sensations Shakira Jennifer Lopez, Bad Bunny, and J Balvin performed the halftime show. And I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, this has probably been my favorite halftime show. I really liked Left Shark from Katy Perry, but that was the only thing that I liked about her halftime show. This halftime show was incredible. And Lady Gaga did an alright job, but this one was perfect. It was the perfect Spanish music that you want from it. Um, They even had I Like It Like That and Chambea, Chambea, you know. Bad Bunny kind of came in there on cue. J-Lo did some of her songs. Um, We had J Balvin doing Mi Gente. And of course, Shakira stealing the show with just a great performance. If you guys have not seen that, I would highly recommend checking that out on YouTube and seeing what uh, the big commotion over the halftime show was. Anyway, with that being said, let's dive into our advice column. So our advice that we are going to be solving today is from a viewer that asks, how do I tell my friends I gave away a pet? And then it put in brackets, not so serious. So the viewer writes, I know you aren't supposed to give away your age online, but I feel it's important to mention that I'm a male and I'm in middle school. A couple months ago, I got a hedgehog. I loved her with all my heart, but she never seemed to, well, do anything. I I would take her out of her cage only for her to sit in a ball and growl at me. Taking her out became more and more of a chore, and I knew I had to do a better. Uh, I had to find a better home for her. It was one of the hardest decisions made, even though her lack of care for me, uh, even through her lack of care for me, I still loved her. But I knew I had to find her a better life with an owner who could love her more. It's been three weeks, and I still haven't notified my friends yet, and I don't know how. I made my ownership of my hedgehog, who I will refer to as Kiwi, pretty public. They haven't mentioned Kiwi yet, but I don't know how to respond if they inevitably do. The same goes for all my classmates. I still get kind of emotional thinking about her, so talking to people about it would be hard. This seems like a dumb, easy thing to tell my friends, but I don't know if I can just mention how I don't have Kiwi anymore. I also, um, I know that asking my parents would be probably better for advice, but they haven't come up with a good solution yet. Can you help me out, please? Well, viewer, this seems like a very, very loaded question. I, myself, once had a hedgehog, too. Unfortunately, he passed away from a tumor. Uh, Very sad. His name was Pua, which in Spanish means spike. Um, But in terms of your hedgehog, um, uh, that kind of sucks that you could never get it to like you a little bit. I kind of use a toothbrush technique where I would brush his hair a lot. 
um, Puai would let him go into the bathtub and roll and run around as fast as possible and clean him off and take care of him. And I'd pet him a lot. Um, but I guess my hands were pretty, I don't know. I would, I would, I would kind of pet him until he liked me. So, uh, I kind of wore down Pua pretty easily, but if your hedgehog isn't really warming up to you and you have found a better home, I really think that that is, um, I would say a brave thing to do, um, a hard thing to do as well, to find somebody who is willing to take care of a pet that you really love more than you and kind of has a little bit more time to do that. I know in middle school, you're not always able to do that. Um, So that's very mature of you to kind of understand. And I know it must be hard um, because I know some of your friends kind of find uh, interest in like your pets if they're very exotic. Mine had a great interest and they would always ask about my, my hedgehog. And it was very sad for me to tell them when my pet hedgehog eventually passed away that I, I, he passed away and I had to bury him. Uh, so with regards to this, there's two options. The first one is, is very easy and it, it's just saying that unfortunately you had to, you found somebody who was willing to take care of your hedgehog a little bit more and you just didn't feel like you were able to give your hedgehog the best life it deserved. And to be honest about that, like, say, like, I, I had a good relationship with it, but I felt like I, I, I wasn't as prepared to take care of it or had the time for it. And maybe somebody else was a little bit better with it. And um, I wanted somebody else to, uh, to kind of, I don't know, take over that responsibility with, with more experience. And you can be really truthful about it. And maybe you can open up a little bit and talk to them about it. And I'm pretty sure that they would understand. And so if they ask you, I I wouldn't kind of advertise it, but if they ask you, you can let them know this. Now, my second option is kind of easy. Uh, You probably have the cages and a bunch of the stuff that they do. So you could just buy a uh, stuffed hedgehog and put it in the cage. So when your friends come by to like look at your hedgehog, they'd be like, oh my gosh, where is Kiwi? And then you'll be like, what do you mean? Kiwi's right there. And then they'll be like, no, that's a stuffed animal. And you'll be like, oh my God, somebody stole a Kiwi and replaced her with, 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 with a plush hedgehog. And then you can kind of do like a, a murder mystery where you try to find Kiwi and you like freak out and it's this big like robbery. And your friends were like, whoa, how did this guy's hedgehog get robbed straight out of his room without him knowing? This is crazy. And then like you can kind of make it a mystery and be like, Oh man, and kind of kind of build a character on that where like you're trying to like you're a Liam Neeson kind of guy where you're like, I'm gonna find you and I will kill you, um, kind of thing, you know, where you're like trying to hunt down your hedgehog and you can give you kind of like a gritty backstory and stuff like that. Um, but I think those are your best options. Personally, I I like the second one a little bit more, but um, always telling the truth and being honest with people, people tend to really understand and uh, try not to overthink it a little bit. Anyway, with that, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. I just want to remind you that if you have any questions or um, anything you want me to check out, remember you can at me at Kevin underscore Hobie or check out my YouTube channel, Kevin Hobie at YouTube.com. Just remember to brush your teeth and floss, and I will see you guys on the next one. Ciao.